I like to read it in God's Word a lot of times because it helps me to understand the words just a little clearer. I want to pray today that these words and this simple sermon will touch our heart in the deepest way. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence. You've already been here today. You've been stirring us, Father. You've been touching our hearts already. You've been showing us, God. You've been melting away our flesh, God, and getting down to our soul and our spirit. I ask you today, God, that you open our eyes and our ears to see and to hear what you would have to say to us. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross. Let me be your mouthpiece for this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. If you agree with me, you can be seated. I'm already losing them. Right and left. Our text tells us that it is impossible for us not to be offended. I'm just going to say it. Brother Jordan has stepped out for a minute. He is a big Miami Dolphins fan. I am a big Arizona Cardinal fan. They play each other today at 3 o'clock. He walked in today and he pulled up his pant legs and said, I'm wearing my lucky dolphin socks. And I told him, I said, I forgot my lucky stuff, so he's got an advantage on me today. But you know what? I'm not going to let his dolphins offend me today. I'm going to still love him, win, lose, or draw. I'm going to still love Brother Jordan for who he is in Christ and what God's done in his life, not because he's pulling for a mammal that's not going to win today. I'm just kidding. Our text tells us it's impossible for us not to be offended. Do you know offense sometimes can come in some of the simplest of things and some of the silliest of things we can get offended at? Offense is going to happen to each of us in our lives. The first thing I want to look at is the fact that as a Christian we are free, but we don't know it. You say, well, I know I'm free. I'm saved. There's freedom in salvation. Don't get quiet on me, everybody. Say amen, laugh, have a good time. I believe God wants us to have a good time while we're learning about his word. But so many people, they're free, but they're not living in that freedom. They don't realize it, and it leads you to believe they don't know that they're free. I believe the heritage of the believers is freedom. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Hallelujah. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't get back involved with something that's going to make you lose your freedom. And for the sake of my argument today, my sermon, I'm talking about being offended. Being offended. I didn't know who's going to be here today. I'll be honest, I thought we'd be wall to wall today. I thought there'd be people everywhere today. I didn't know who was going off from vacation. I didn't know who was sick. I didn't, I knew some people that were sick, but I didn't know who wasn't going to be here and who wasn't going to be here. But I believe this is still a message for us today. When we receive Christ, all the chains of bondage that sin and Satan bring were broken off of us when we give our hearts to the Lord. We are free. We are free. What are we free from besides sin? The first thing I want to look at is fear. Fear. We need to understand that we are free from fear. Through COVID-19, I've heard this scripture more than any other time in my life. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What did you say? And of love. 
power, love, and a sound mind. Why are we free from fear? Because the things that cause us to be afraid are all now in God's hands. Everything in our life, everything we can think of, everything that's going to go on is in God's hands. Do you believe God? Do you believe his word? Do you, do you understand that he has all this? Or are you living in fear, wondering what's going to happen? How's this going to work out? How's this going to happen? Man, we got to make a decision. Are we Christians or are we not? Are we living in freedom or are we not? Because our freedom doesn't come from the United States or any other government. Our freedom comes from Christ. Hallelujah. I will not fear hell. I'm not going to fear hell. Some people get saved for fire insurance. They don't want to go to hell and say, I'm not going to get saved. I need some insurance on this. I don't want to get saved. I'm not going to fear hell because Jesus has made it possible for me to gain heaven. He's prepared me a place. So why would I be fear of what's going to happen at the end of my life? I'll not fear the attack of Satan because on the cross, the devil was defeated. <laughs> that cross made a difference. Hallelujah. Old song. I'll not fear not knowing the direction for my life because the Holy Spirit's here to guide me. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. I will not fear what people say about me because my goal is not to please man, but to please God. I'm going to have a holy fear of my Lord. I don't want to offend my God. Hallelujah. Fear for the believer is the chain that has been broken and means you and I are free. Fear in the believer. That doesn't even go right, does it? It doesn't even sound right. A believer shouldn't be living in fear. We fear too much of what people think about us. Especially those that call Arkansas their home. When we're on vacation, when we go somewhere and somebody says, where are you guys from? Greenbrier, Arkansas. Or as my boys would say, Greenbrier, Arkansas. I'm from Illinois. I'm a Yankee. Shelly's from Oklahoma. We met, married, and had three Arkansas boys. Figure that one out. And you ought to see the look every time I tell them from Arkansas. They do. People think that people from Arkansas put jack-o'-lanterns on their front porch that have more teeth than they do. I'm just telling you, that's the way they look at it. You know what I always do when they look at me that way? I tell them, yeah. I said, we watch every episode of Hee Haw. We love NASCAR. <laughs> we think wrestling's real. Wrestling. We think General Motors was in the Army. We need to forget what man thinks about us. We need to forget about that and remember who God says we are. We are free, but sometimes we don't act like it. Sometimes we act like we don't know that we're free. We need to understand we're free from fear and we're free from man and what man thinks about us. Next thing we're, we, we, we see there, we're, we're free from worry. Worry. We are free from sin and fear and we're free from worry. Proverbs 3 and 5, 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understandings. If I had to lean on my own understandings for the things in my life, I would be in bad, bad, bad trouble. 
I would be in bad trouble if there wasn't restaurants and I didn't have a wife and a mom. I'd be in bad trouble. I can't cook. I'm a terrible cook. I cooked pancakes one day and put them on the table for the boys. They looked at them and said, what is this? When you can make pancakes so bad it doesn't look like pancakes, there's something wrong. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. If I acknowledge God in everything I'm doing, He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. The Holy Spirit is going to take me through the situations I don't understand. God has set us free from worrying about our families, worrying about our finances, worrying about our health, worrying about our job, worrying about our economy, worrying about our nation. We don't have to worry because we can trust in the Lord and He'll take care of every one of these things. Lean not to your own understanding. Lean not to your own understanding. We're free from fear. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, who are the called, according to His purpose. I believe Romans 8, 28. I believe it. And if that's the case, then why should anyone worry? Why should anyone worry? I'm going to tell you why we worry, because we get in ourself. We realize it's out of our control, and we're control freaks. And we don't think we are, but we are. Today, getting ready for church, Shelly looked at me, and she said, you're awfully plaid today. I, I said, from this distance, you won't even know. This is a plaid shirt I'm wearing. It's just little plaids. So, yeah, you can't even tell. But she, said, but she could see. She's up close. She said, you're awfully plaid today. I'm not going to worry about what she thinks so much in that area. I do wear whatever she tells me to wear. but I've been set free from worry. Some of us worry because we've got nothing to worry about. Try to think of things that might happen. I know people who are that way. They hear some new disease that comes over the television. They think, I may have that. If you have to say, I may have that, you don't have it. You need to stop worrying about it. Now, be honest with me. How many of you worried today if you remembered to turn off your iron? Anyone? Anyone worried about what's cooking at home? Whether you get home in time for it? Are anybody worried about where you're going to eat this afternoon? Always worried about how many is worried about your house when you get home? The cleaning, the lawn. We're always worried about something. How many are worried that I'm going to preach too long today? That, I knew I'd get some amens on that one. We're free, but we don't know it. We don't act like it. Hopelessness. We're free from hopelessness. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest, your sorrow, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The greatest hope we have, the greatest hope that we have is that this world is not our home. I don't have to worry about what's going on in this world. Sure, sure, I'm going to watch things. Sure, I'm going to do whatever I can for my family. I'm going to do whatever I can as a Christian man. But you know what? I'm not worried about this earth. This is not my home. 
he went away to prepare me a mansion. I told somebody one time, I said, me and Shelly's going to build. We're going to double our size. I said, we're going to get another mobile home, and we, we live in a single wide. We're going to put a, a double wide. We're going to stack one on top of it, so we'll be two stories. God, you see my heart. I don't want that in heaven. Give me three stories. Our hope is in God and a home in heaven and to be eternally with him. Don't tell me you have no hope. People say that I have no hope. I don't know where to turn. I have no hope. Don't tell me you have no hope. We have the greatest hope you can imagine. We are free from the curse of hopelessness. We're free from the curse of sin. One day, I'm going to live forever. We're all going to live forever. We get to choose our destination. But one day, I'll be with God forever and ever. Aren't you glad that God makes good on his promises? He has prepared for us a place in heaven. We are free from all these things, but we must be honest and admit admit that many Christians, they're not living like they're free. They're living in bondage. Why? So many Christians live trapped by the things Jesus overcame for us. Things that Jesus already took care of, we're living in chains. We're living in bondage. And we're supposed to be free. Lord, help us. I want to give you some answers to this question. There are many reasons why, but I believe that there's one thing that opens the door for the devil to come in and wrap his chains around us, probably more than anything else. I believe that being offended, I believe that being offended or being hurt being abused, being taken advantage of, and not dealing with these problems is the reason why so many of us live in bondage of fear, chains that the devil just enjoys putting on the believers. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that we've did. I'm saying that we fall into some things we never intended to get into. As believers, as Christians, you think, well, I'm saved. The devil stopped. He's not going to come after me anymore. Guess again. How much better would it be for Satan to take down a Christian, take down a pastor, take down a deacon, take down a church member that goes to TFT, if I can rip him down and everybody see that he's supposed to be a Christian and they did this wrong, they did that wrong. How much better would that be for Satan? We get hurt and we allow that hurt to remain in our lives and our hearts And the devil uses that opportunity to put bondage back on us. Not every person who who worries has an unsolved hurt, but it happens more often than we think. Somebody's asking, well, what are you talking about, preacher? This doesn't affect me. It's not me. If this is not for you today, go ahead and get your checkbook out. Balance your checkbook. Write another offering check. And then you can keep listening. I want to define offense. It's a breach of a law or rule, an illegal act. An offense is anything that someone does or says that hurts you. Is that simple enough? It is. We had, we had a person that come to this church uh, for years. They've moved off since then. But Cardin walked in one day, and that person looked at him. He says, and we're not going to use the word he used, but he said, Man, you're fat. Cardin looked at him and said, well, 
I've heard Carden tell this story over and over and over and just laugh his head off about it. It didn't, didn't really bother me. He was shocked, and he's like, Dad, can you believe they said that to me? So I, I think there was a little tiny offense there. But them little things can get in. Them little things, them little foxes can get in. It can be something that maybe you did yourself, like a failure. Maybe it was sin or a mistake, and it's offense now to your spirit, man. Picture this. It's like a backpack the kids take to school. Our hurts, we throw in the backpack. Our offensive, we put in the backpack. Our disagreements, they'll go in the backpack too. Everything that we can put in there, we start putting these, our, our wounds, everything, we put them in the backpack. And then we strap that backpack on field with all of our hurts, our wounds, our troubles. And we get used to it. It's heavy. But we get used to the weight and we carry it around. We think nobody cares, nobody sees it, nobody understands. This is the way it's supposed to be. I'm just going to carry these around for the rest of my life. And the longer we carry it, the heavier it gets. Soon it becomes part of us and we begin to bend over from the weight. And after a while, it just seems natural to us. We've now carried the weight so long it's become our natural part of us and we get comfortable with it. Lord, help us. That opens the door for Satan to come to the believer who has already been set free and to put the chains of bondage back on them because they're carrying something God never intended for them to carry. Opens the door. God wants us to live in the freedom that he has given to us. And if we need him to, he can set us free again today. He can lift the weights again today. Many Christians continue to carry that backpack of hurt, backpack of offense, because they just don't know any better. But they're free, and they don't know it. I, I experienced some of this, and it wasn't really a spiritual thing, but God's taught me some spiritual lessons through this. Most of you know I run baseball for 13 years here in the city of Greenbrier. When we stepped away from baseball... There was a burden lifted off of me I didn't realize was on me. There was a pressure that was taken off my life I had no idea was there. Because I love baseball. I love our program here in Greenbrier. I enjoyed running that program. I didn't enjoy all the aspects of it, but I enjoyed what we were doing. But at the same time, when I didn't have to do it anymore, when that burden, when that backpack was lifted off my back, you can ask Shelly, I kept walking around like, what are we going to do today? I was just, I was giddy. I was just like, we don't have anything to do. Let's, let's go do something. Let's, let's do this. Let's do that. Before, there was a responsibility five days a week or four days a week. I had to be out at the ballpark. Needed to be out at the ballpark. If I wasn't, I'd have wished I'd be in there because it's going to be worse than if I wouldn't been there. But we are free, but we don't know it. So what does being offended or hurt do to us? There's a breaking in relationship. Betrayed. We are betrayed. Someone has hurt us. We, and because of this, we distance ourselves from other people. We begin to erect walls around ourselves. We keep people out who we think will hurt us. Why? Because we've been betrayed. 
The pain is real. The hurt is real. The offense is real. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting up here saying you should never be offended. It's never going to. The Bible tells us it's going to happen. But what we deal with it and how we deal with it is where we get messed up sometimes. We begin to erect walls around ourselves. We keep people out who we think will hurt us. We put up walls. And guess what? The trap closes in on us and the trap just tightens. I watch these hunting shows every once in a while, and they're trying to catch a cougar one day. I seen it, and this cougar got in a trap, and the, the more he pulls, the tighter it gets on his leg. That's exactly what happens. So many things in life really aren't that hard to understand. We need to understand the tactics of the enemy, what he's trying to do, is, but we don't understand it, but it's really easy to understand. I, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I learned everything I needed to know from Gilligan's Island, <laughs> or so I thought. I mean, what could be worse? You're on a stranded island. But guess what? They built the car when they was on this d- deserted island. They stopped an enemy submarine. You know, a soldier was in that. And they stopped it. There was so many life lessons there. I was like, wow, if I ever get stranded, I am good to go. <laughs> I've learned that feeling betrayed or hurt or offended... And not dealing with it correctly is an open door to the enemy. That open door being betrayed, we start building walls. Hatred starts creeping in. After feeling offended or betrayed, then comes the hatred. In other words, we grow angry and get bitter. We just get plain mad at the way we were treated or what was said to us. I heard someone giving advice to the husbands and said, If you're in an argument with your wife... We never do that. But if you're in an argument with your wife and you're wrong, then apologize, husbands. And if you're right, keep your mouth shut. Because she's going to be offended if you tell her you're right. There's... <laughs> I have encountered angry and bitter Christians who have been hurt by the bitterness by their own bitters that it just flows out of them. It flows out of them. We, we were talking about a pastor, a friend of ours, not long ago, and I told her, I said, every time they speak, you hear a bitterness of a problem they've had in the past. Every time I've heard them speak, that's, they, they bring that bitterness from that past. We all know people like that. Sometimes we've been people like that. Amen. They leave churches with bitterness and anger in their heart. And all they can talk about is how badly they were treated, how someone did them wrong. And they may have very well been done wrong at these churches. I don't know. Don't become bitter. Can I tell you that today? Don't become bitter. Bitterness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Bitterness will eat you up. Bitterness only hurts you. Bitterness makes us want to strike back at the other person that hurt us. That's what bitterness does. And guess what? The next step is, then we grow cold. We grow cold spiritually. When we, when we begin to build walls and to keep people out, guess what? We end up keeping God out. God made us to be a community. God set us up to have communion with one another too. 
He wants us to be good. He wants us to be with our brethren. God has set it up that way, but when we start building walls because somebody offended us, guess what? We're building a wall that eventually is going to keep God out. We are God's chosen instruments. I said it last week. We are God's chosen instruments that he wants to work with. God uses people to touch us and to bring us closer to him. If we build walls to keep people out, that same wall will eventually keep God out. Offended Christians erect walls so there will be no flow of the Spirit. Really, I should have put, they build walls until there's no flow of the Spirit. Because they're afraid of being hurt again. But guess what? Without the fire of the Holy Spirit, we grow cold. No prayer, no worship, no quiet time alone with God. The bait has been set by the enemy. He's baited us into this. He wants us to be offended. The bait's set, and we're walking towards the trap. God help us. Enemies, God has bait set with an offense, with hurts. Before we know it, we're becoming ensnared in the trap of offense and grow cold in our relationship with God. In fact, the spiritual coldness can keep the power of God out of our lives so much so that God won't even come by and touch us anymore. How many has ever heard the song, Reach Out and Touch the Lord as He Passes By? The Spirit of God can pass right by us when we're spiritually cold and we never feel it, never realize it, don't even realize God has walked right by us and we didn't reach out and touch Him. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Holding on to that offense might be a barrier to the anointing of God to your healing. I'm going to read it again. I want you to understand that. Holding on to an offense might be a barrier to the anointing of God for your healing. Your situation, your finances, your family, your situations. Well, how can me being upset at someone that actually did something wrong and they're guilty of it. We all know they're guilty of it. And, and for me just to be angry about it. So how is this holding God's hand of blessings for me? Holding on to a grudge may be the reason you're not finding deliverance in your situation. Harboring that hurt may be the obstacle to your financial needs. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ensnared by the trap of offense. I don't want to be back in chains. I don't want to grow angry and bitter, let hatred take over. I don't want to keep cutting people out of my life by building walls, growing cold in my experience with God. I don't want anything to block the flow of God's blessings in my life. I've got to get rid of it. I've got to get rid of it. I can't let it stay in me. I want, to, I want the freshness of God's Spirit on my life. So I'll turn away from the trap. I'll turn away from the trap of offense and turn towards the love of God. Hallelujah. That love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved. God loved us so much. That's in the Drew's translation. God loved us so much that he sent his son. You know what? We need to declare some things today. In our heart, I declare that in the name of Jesus, I will not take the bait and become trapped. 
I won't become ensnared in the offenses, the hurts, and the wounds that are all around me. You ever seen one of them cartoons where they like set mouse, mice trap everywhere and that person like has no place to step? That's the way Satan does. He puts traps on every hand. You need a big gun like a, the power of the Holy Spirit just goes and blows them out of your way. They'll go, go off in a different direction. I'm just thinking them Nerf guns. I'm just keep my mind on God. People may hurt me. People may talk about me. People may offend me. People may laugh at me. People may do me wrong. And all those things happen. But I'm going to stay free. I'm going to continue to live in freedom. I'm not going to be a slave again. Satan, you will not trap me with offenses. I won't fall into your trap because I know what will happen. I will not be one of those trapped and not know that I'm trapped. I choose to live in freedom, not the bondage of my enemy and offense. And now I'm going to tell you there's a way out. And I'm trying to hurry. How do I get free from this bondage? How do, how do we resist the bait? Or if we've already taken the bait, how is the bondage broken? How do we get the hook out of our mouth? Carden has taken an interest to football. I don't know where he got it from. And uh, he come downstairs the other day, and he seen the Green Bay Packers. It was Thursday. And the 49ers were playing football. And we always pick every night who do we think is going to win, just a little competition between us. And uh, he picked the Packers. Well, I picked the Packers too, so it's just a draw you know, either way. Whoever wins or loses, it's going to be a draw between us. He come downstairs, he goes, who's winning? I said, the 49ers. And the Packers was killing the 49ers. I said, the 49ers. He goes, oh, man, how did that? Wait, Dad. I told him, I said, son, I love fishing with you. And he goes, what? I said, I can tell you anything. Just like, oh, I got him hook, line, hook, line, and sinker every time. He'll believe it. He's easy fishing. But you know what? We can't take the hook that the devil wants to place in front of us. We can't take the bait that he's wanting to do. Here's the answer. I'm going to get to the answer right here. You guys have never heard this out of me, I'm sure. Forgiveness. forgiveness for those of you that don't know for the past forever we've been preaching on forgiveness and unforgiveness and what it does in our lives I steer away from it God brings me back to it I try to, try to take an exit he puts me back on the interstate. Forgiveness. I should just reprint this sermon over and over and over, but I don't. I write it all every time again. Pastor, you don't want to know what that person's done to me. If you only understood how badly they hurt me, you wouldn't ask me to forgive them. 
You didn't hear what they said? You didn't see what they put on Snapchat, Facebook, and Twitter? Pastor, they molested me. They hurt me. (laughs) They embarrassed me. They humiliated me. And they're not even sorry. I know. I know. I know. It's hard for me to preach this. It's hard for me to preach this again and again. But your anger, bitterness, and hatred is only harming you. It's very simple, but extremely hard to do. It's forgiving when forgiveness is not deserved. It's mercy when mercy is not deserved. It makes me think of Jesus. It's love when love was not deserved. He hung on a cross for me. I didn't deserve his love. I didn't deserve his mercy. But he took my place. One of the biggest problems we see in the church world is Christians having problems with dealing with forgiveness directly. We've tried to use the time heals all wounds methods. That doesn't work. In the schooling I'm in, I've read over and over and over about different things in the churches that have had problems. And in each scenario, when they don't deal with the issue, it raises its head somewhere along the line. We have to deal with unforgiveness directly. We have to deal with offense directly. We try to cover it up. Don't talk about it. Ignore it. Some might even say, you know what, you shouldn't even be hurt by that. Don't tell me how to feel. Don't tell me how to feel. God give me them feelings. We feel things because we feel it because God give it to us. He didn't give us the offense. He gave us the feelings. So I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what you're feeling. You're feeling. I don't know. I can't tell you what you're feeling. We can't tell each other what you're feeling. The feelings are real. But we never seem to get around to really forgiving. Never confront it. We just covered up. Church, God is dealing with us again today about unforgiveness. I don't understand it. I look around here and I see everyone in here. I think, God, these are good people. These are Christian people. These are your chosen. Why do we keep coming back to the same sermon? I battle, I wrestle. God, why? It's hard to be obedient when you're wrestling with somebody. I want to know, but beyond a shadow of doubt, God, this is what you want me to preach. 
I'm going to skip to the end. Shelly, would you come? If it's been 10 years since you've been offended, 20, 30, somebody offended you way back, if it was this morning, every moment that you allow the wound to go unhealed, the more harm it does to you spiritually. There's something very powerful that happens when we forgive each other. We leave the natural realm and we enter into the supernatural. We're doing something that is so Christ-like. I don't know that we can get any closer at that moment than forgiving someone. I don't know if it was last week or not. I want to close with these scriptures. Would you stand with me? I want you to examine your own heart. I'm not here to point fingers. <laughs> Heard the term, don't kill the messenger. I'm just the messenger boy today. Matthew 6 and 14, I believe I read it last week. For if you forgive men their trespasses... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The next verse says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There's a condition here that's plain to me that's saying, You're not going to heaven. Unless you can forgive. You're not going to spend eternity with God if you can't forgive your brother. And let me tell you, I'm not talking about a brother or a sister or a brother. I, I'm, I'm talking about mankind. That could, that could, anyone could fit into that category. A father, a mother, a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, brother or sister. It doesn't matter. But if you do not forgive men their trespass, if you do not forgive your dad, your mom, I was telling my dad, I was involved with three different crimes when I was a teenager. And I didn't know I was going to be all three times because I was hanging around with the wrong people. Had no idea what they were doing. Innocent bystander sitting in a car thinking, what are they doing? Had no idea. I had to forgive that person. That didn't mean I had to go with that person anymore. Right? Some of those scriptures and some of the different things I left out of here is just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to go on vacation with them. If they're hurting you physically, you don't have to be around that. I, I want to be perfectly clear with that. You don't have to be around that. 
But we need the past to be the past. We need to forgive like God forgives. Because if we don't forgive men their trespasses, our God, our Father, He's not going to forgive our trespasses. Today, as we come to the altar, once again, I'm asking you to have God search your heart. Bring it to your attention. God, is there something that's, that's binding me up? It, there's a bondage here. There's chains that's wrapping around me. Father, I may not be fully in that trap yet. The hook may not be set yet. Would you reveal to me what's going on? I would rather God reveal something to me and show me before then I had to have his mercy and his grace to get out of it. He can show us beforehand. The Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us into all truths. Father, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for TFT. God, I ask you today, Lord, that you search our heart. God, that we can be honest with ourselves. Stop playing games with you because you know it all. You see our heart. You see right to the soul. Let us stop the charade, God. I know you want to handle this for us. God, give us revelation today as we pray. Show us, Lord. Show us, God. And God, I ask you right now to give us the strength and the courage to ask for that forgiveness, Lord, from you first. God, and then to forgive others. Give them something they never deserved. We know it's going to break the bondage. Satan's laughing at us, Father. He's laughing at us. Because we won't let it go. God, I ask you to touch every heart. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you find your place to pray?